Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter, excuse me, chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2, and again, as a reminder, Paul is writing to a group of believers at Colossae whom he had never met, and yet a disciple of his, Epaphras, was in Colossae and was instrumental in seeing the church started there. And he now traveled to Paul and um, gave him a report of the work there and, um, and then made Paul alert to some potential dangers that may be taking place in the church at Colossae and those in, in Laodicea. And, and Epaphras may have said something like this. He may have said, My Gentile people in our group, in our church, are being told they have to celebrate Jewish religious festivals. They're being told they need to abstain from all kinds of things. They're also being told that they're not very spiritual if they haven't um, seen God through angels. And he may have said, Paul, what do I do? How do I convince them that they're not missing out on something, that Jesus Christ is enough? So Paul is writing this letter, and he started out, as we've already seen, saying how great Jesus Christ is, and, and magnifying Jesus Christ above anything and everything else. And, and then he gets into dealing with some of these issues um, and, and reminding them again throughout all the book of Colossians, he's reminding them that Christ is all. If you just get that down, that's the theme of the book of Colossians. Christ is all. Christ is sufficient. You, you need uh, nothing besides Christ and His plan and His purpose. And, and so, in the passage we're looking at, he gets in and he specifically deals with um, some of the issues that they were dealing with. And, and I'm not going to this morning specifically deal with those. I'm going to make applications of things that I would think if Paul were writing to the believers right here, to us today, what may be some of the things that would prevent us from focusing totally on Christ. You know, we... We know the reality. We know, generally speaking, most everyone here today knows Christ is all. It is Christ alone. Christ plus nothing. We know that, but often in our life, it is easy for us to get focused on other things and lose sight that it is Christ alone. And so, Paul reminds them, first of all, what Christ has done. And, and in verses 11 through 15, 
he, he basically is reminding them, and I want to remind us today of this truth, these truths of what Christ has done. It is, it is in particular easy for individuals that have grown up in Christian families or around Christianity to just take for granted the things that Christ has done. Not only that, it is easy if we didn't grow up in it. It is easy for us, if we've known the Lord for a while, to kind of take it for granted and lose sight of what Christ has done. This is the greatest thing in all the world, what Christ has done for us. It should be the perpetual source of joy in our life. That our joy isn't dependent on the weather or circumstances or anything else. And, and he reminds us of this. And first of all, he reminds us in verse 11 that the power of the old nature was broken. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So he's, he's saying is, we were bound in our flesh, in our old nature. And nothing could cut us free from that until Christ came. And he... And He alone broke the power of the old nature in our lives. We, we often say, and the kids have sung, only two choices on the shelf, pleasing God or pleasing self. That is only true of believers. Of unbelievers, there's only one choice on the shelf, pleasing self. That's it. And Christ came... And gave us the power in Christ. He broke the bondage. We were completely in bondage to the old nature. And He gave us this uh, power. He broke the power of the old nature in our life. And verse 12, He gave us new life. We are buried with Him in baptism in which you also were raised with Him through faith in the working of God who raised Him from the dead. Now notice what it says there. You were raised with Him through faith in the working of God. It is in this, through faith, that not only was the power of, of the old nature broken, but we received the, the power of a new life. He gave us new life through faith in God. And it is through faith in God alone that we have spiritual life. We're born into this world physically. We have physical life. There must be a time that we are born spiritually. And you only are born spiritually through faith in the Word of God, in the work of Christ, that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for my sin by His death. He triumphed over sin and death and hell by His resurrection. And it is His work alone that gives me new life. Because we trusted His Word, that's what gave us new life. 
So, the power of the old nature was broken. He gave us new life through faith in God. And notice verse 13. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He has made alive together with Him, having forgiven all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Notice what it says here. It says that He has forgiven all our trespasses and He has fulfilled all the requirements that were against us. Imagine, imagine if, if you would, um, if all your trespasses were written on this sheet of paper. You say you'd need more than a bigger sheet of paper than that. Lori, do you have that little Bible with you right there? You wouldn't need a bigger sheet of paper. She found it at a garage sale the other day. That has the whole Bible in it. You can't read it naturally. But if all our sins were written in that fine a print, they still probably wouldn't fit on this, right? And so all of these, just picture... Our, our arrogance, our rebellion, our selfishness, our lying, our on and on and on. All of our sins. It says that Jesus Christ came and He nailed these to the cross. And they are to be remembered no more. But it also says that there were requirements of the law. You could put the Ten Commandments down here. You could put the laws of God. And we have violated these. And so these requirements of the law are also there. And it is important for us to realize that Jesus Christ came and He took all the requirements of the law and He took all of our sins And He forgave them, never to be remembered no more, not just ripped up, but put in a shredder, and then burned, and then the ashes buried in the depths of the deepest sea. And He forgave your sins. This is Paul's reminding them, this is what Christ has done for you. Don't let Satan take you back to where you were before, living under the guilt of the law, living under that. Christ has set you free from the law. He fulfilled the law. And he's saying to these believers, no, don't be brought back into the bondage of this. This is what Christ has done for you. Have you ever felt disqualified from God's best because of something in your past? Nothing in your past can permanently disqualify you from God's forgiveness and God's embrace. And we must come to realize that. And Paul is reminding them This is what God has done. 
He has taken the power of the old nature and broken it. He has given you life, spiritual life. He's given you a new life. He's forgiven all your sins. And then he says in verse 15, Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. He made a public... He disarmed Satan. Satan had his gun at your back. You were owned by him. He ordered you around. You were a slave to sin and Satan. And Jesus Christ came and disarmed him. Took away the lies. Took away the gun held to your head. Took away everything. And then he marched him through. Triumphant armies used to march their, the people they conquered and the generals they conquered, marched them back into their homelands. And that's the, that's the picture that Paul's painting here. That Jesus Christ made a public spectacle of it. He rose again from the dead and he walked around and showed himself to the disciples, to up to 500 people at one time. And he made a public show of this saying, I have broken the power of Satan. So, Paul is saying to them, the power of the old nature has been broken in your life. You've been given new life through faith in God. He forgave all your sins. Don't, don't allow the guilt of the past to weigh you down. And he took away Satan's power in your life. What more is there to do? In essence, is what Paul is saying to them. It is Christ and Christ alone. And don't let any, anyone rob you of the prize, he said in here, of the, of the treasure that we have in Christ. And so he then goes on and he says, don't let anyone draw you away from Christ. And he says, so let no one judge you in food or drink or all these other things. <clears throat> in Proverbs 29 and verse 25, it says, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoso trusts in the Lord shall be safe. So, if I have trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sin and... The power of the old flesh is broken. I am given a new life in Christ Jesus. And I rejoice in that new life that He has given me because all my sins are forgiven and the power of Satan is broken in my life. I'm, I no longer have to be a slave to sin. The power of Satan is broken. If then I am complete in Christ, and, and justified before the Father, for me to be brought under the subjection of do this, don't do this, eat this, don't eat this, worship here, do this, I am submitting myself under men. And the fear of man brings a snare, but if we trust in the Lord, we are safe. And it is the fear of man that motivates what we're, what we're going to get in and look at here and what Paul addresses. So, 
He says, don't let anything draw you away from Christ. Not rules. God didn't simply send us an instruction book full of rules. He sent us His Son. He didn't just give us advice. He gave us His Son. And it is easier for some people to wrap their minds around a certain list of do's and don'ts than it is to trust the finished work of Jesus Christ. And that explains, the, that explains every religion in the world except Christianity. And that is why people follow false religions. If, if I follow this list of do's and don'ts, then I will be safe in that. No, it's simply trusting Jesus Christ. And when I add a list of do's and don'ts, I have been drawn away from Christ. I have been removed from Christ. And it is not do, do, do. It is done, done, done. Jesus Christ has paid the price. He's finished the payment. He's completed it. I have trusted Him by faith in Jesus Christ. And if you please, His righteousness has been put on my account. See, it is easy for us to get involved in the Christian life. And and there are many commands that God gives us. There are many things that we need to do as a Christian. But we can't lose sight of the fact that it is to point us to Christ. That it needs to be motivated by loving Christ. We have been married, it'll be 44 years this December, okay? And let's just say that, um, and I tried to prepare myself as well as I could for marriage, but you're never fully prepared for marriage, and you never have all the answers, and you never, you never have all the questions either, you know? It's still a learning process. But let, let's just say that, that I went around and I asked advice and I read books and, and I was able to put together a list of things that a good husband should do. You know what I'm saying? And, and so I got that list and I had it and I studied it carefully and, and I, I went and I said, Marilyn, I just want you to know that I love you. And I walked away and went, okay. Oh, oh, come, let's get in the car. Let me open the door for you. Okay. There we go. Oh, thanks for this meal. That was a good meal. And, um, oh, yeah, you look nice. Some of you may be thinking, I wish my spouse would say any of those things or do any of those things. But the point is, if it is a checklist, marriage is a relationship. It's not just mouthing some words. Christianity, we have our list of things as a Christian. I'm supposed to read my Bible. Oh, supposed to pray. 
supposed to go to church. But does God know we love Him? Are we in a relationship with Him? And we can get our rules, and we have them in our mind. These are what a good Christian does. And, and they may be true. It, I should tell my wife I love her. But if it is just a matter of routine and, and it isn't coming from the heart, there's all these good things that we can do as a Christian. It's good you're at church today. But are you here today because you love God or because that's a thing a Christian does? And the title of the message, are we living the Christian life or are we loving Christ? There's a major difference. We can, we can check all the boxes of the Christian life. And we're adding our own rules and we're missing Christ is all. He is all. And, and these are good things to do to express our love to God. It is a good thing to pray. It is a good thing to read our Bible. But it's easy for that to just turn into, well, that's what a Christian does. And, and we're adding the rules. If my marriage were rules and not a relationship, it is nothing. And if our walk with God is just do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, and it's not a relationship, it's not our heart, because look at all of who you are, Christ, and all of what you have done for me. How can I ever stop loving you? And, and I love you, and I, this is your love letter to me. Well, I want to read it. I want to know you. I want to know your character and your nature. So he says here, it's, it's not festivals and new moons or Sabbaths. And he goes on and he says, um, let no one cheat you. Verse 18, of your reward taking delight in false humility and worship of angels intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up in his fleshly mind. And he goes on and we'll get to that. But he, another thing that draws us away from Christ are, are visions and angel worship. Don't let visions and angel worship. And I use the term visions kind of loosely, but people in a pious manner have the secret to the Christian life. And, and I've had this vision, or I, I found this secret to the Christian life, and I have it, and uh, boy, you need it. You're missing something in your life. And, and this sense of um, what he was dealing with here, the history behind it, is they believe God was, was so holy and spiritual, and man was totally physical, and physical was in opposition to God in spirit, and so you had to go through angels to get to God. And that was their thinking. But in the same way today, there are people that, that think they um, have received some special revelation from God. And, and 
they are unique. And if you go back and study the history of most cults, that's what they believe. They believe they receive some special revelation from God. This is the revelation from God. And it is complete. And it is not that we need anything more. The Spirit of God will lead us in direct proportion to the Word of God. He will not contradict the Word of God because the Spirit of God is the author of the Word of God. And so this aspect that, that people would, would have extra biblical visions. Now, I, I understand there are, there are many Muslims in particular today who are coming to Christ because they've, they've seen visions regarding Christ, regarding His life. When they come to Jesus Christ, the visions stop over and over again, the testimonies. What? It was an instrument to bring them to Christ. And now in Christ, they have everything that they need here. The bottom line is, you don't need some special unction from, from a, another addition to anything from besides Christ. It is Christ alone. Everything He has given us for life and godliness we have in Christ. And it is not that you need some experience. Thirdly, he goes on, and in this, he says, it is, it is not um, godly disciplines that you build into your life. And he, he addresses that, verse 20, and verse 21, do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with using according to the commandments and the doctrines of men. And in our day, it's not so much do not touch, do not handle, but it, it can be, again, going back to the Christian life, okay? Um, if you're a good Christian, you ought to get up and seek God first in the morning. You ought to get up early in the morning. I I practice that, okay? But it's not because it's a discipline. It's because I love God. But we can build these disciplines into our life and have the disciplines, but not a love of Christ. And I believe Christianity is, is permeated with this. And we're, we're going through the motions but it's not our hearts are thrilled with Christ. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in my ear. The sweetest name on earth. What, what was the first song? I don't have my list here. What was the... Yeah, I do have my list. Um, he hideth my soul. As I was singing it, I forget the words, but I thought, man, if... If we really, a wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord. He taketh my burden away. He holdeth me up and I shall not be moved. He giveth me strength as my day. If we're just building Christian disciplines in our life, Christian do's and don'ts in our life, well, here we go. 
Is Jason going to have us sing all four verses? We're not, we're not thrilled with this. With numberless blessings, each moment He crowns. My, my, every day, every day, my sins are forgiven. They're gone. They're never brought up again. He crowns me with numberless blessings and filled with His fullness divine. I have all of Christ in me. I sing in my rapture, oh, glory to God, for such a Redeemer is mine. When we have lost sight of what Christ has done, it's just words and music. It's, there's not the joy there. And, and I believe that there needs to be a, a major repentance in our hearts to say, God, I've been a Christian, but I haven't been loving you. I've been a Christian. I've been doing the Christian things, but I haven't been loving you. You see, it's only Christ that can change the heart. Human commands, worldly wisdom, false humility. I mean, we can build disciplines in our lives and, look, I do this and this and this, and boy, others that aren't as mature as me don't do that. None of those things can change the heart. And that's why I said in here, um, these, these are earthly things that will vanish away. They don't deal with the heart. But it is Christ alone that deals with the heart. And in this passage, he says Christ is the head. And without the head... We are dead. And, and if we are not connected to the head, and that's what Paul said, they bring in these other things and it separates you from the head. Now we know it's basic science. If, some, if anything is separated from the head, it's dead. And Christ is the head. And when we're separated, maybe by good things, but we're separated from the head, then we go through the dead motions of Christianity. Someone that is involved, Paul is teaching, in this kind of teaching, cuts himself off from the head. And he goes in and he he gives another analogy. He said, these things are the shadow... Of what is real. Okay? Um, You may have on your phone pictures of your family. And when you're away from them, you look at the pictures of the family. Okay? But when you're in person with them, you don't continue to look at the pictures on your phone. You look into their eyes. Okay? It's the fellowship. All these things were the picture to bring us to Christ. They were the shadow. And if, if you're walking down the road and the sun is behind you and it gives a shadow, 
if someone came up and spoke to the shadow, hi, how are you today? And you'd think, this guy's from the loony bin. Hey, I'm right here. And he keeps talking to the shadow. That's what Paul's saying. You're focusing on the shadow and, and letting Christ stand there. And it may be a good thing. It, it looks a lot like the person. Maybe even better because shadows stretch you out a little bit. You know, you don't... Never mind, okay? <laughs> and he says, don't focus on the shadow. It's Christ and Christ alone. Do you want the person or do you want the picture? And what Paul is saying here, what God is saying here, don't let anyone rob you of your reward, Jesus Christ. The fullness of His work in your life. Are you rejoicing in Christ? Are you rejoicing in the work of Christ? Are you dwelling in that? Are you abiding in that? Is that your joy? That's what Paul's saying. And it's evident from his life. He's sitting in prison and, and he's saying, I have great joy in my heart continually. I've learned whatever state I am to be content because God is with me and nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. And it's Christ, it's Christ, it's Christ. And I do these disciplines and, and there's certain things I put off and certain things I put on because it's Christ. And many times we're missing the person of Christ. The more we love Him, the more our life will be to His glory and the more we will be transformed by His power. See, are we loving the person or are we loving the picture? Are we living the Christian life or are we loving Christ? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would make this personal in every one of our lives. Lord, I, I pray that you would be pleased at our response that we would have a greater love for you. As a result of this, Lord, I know personally it's easy to get in and do the Christian things, but to neglect the relationship with you. So, Lord, I pray that we would realize what you've done. And, Lord, that that would be the motivation for our love for you because of what you've done and who you are. So, Lord, teach us, I pray, and help us to love you. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.